0: Have you ever given or thank you? Have you ever given or received bad advice? Oh, you're in church now. Don't lie. Have you ever given or received bad advice? Uh, have you ever told someone something you thought they should do, and then after you prayed, they didn't do it? <laughs> you ever have one of those moments? I heard about a blacksmith who handed a hammer to his young assistant as he pulled this horseshoe, red-hot horseshoe, out of the fire. And he placed it on the anvil and he said to his assistant, when I nod my head, you hit it. It was the last thing the blacksmith ever said. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you will get that on the way home. It is, uh, it is possible, it is possible to be misunderstood. You got it. It is possible to be misunderstood. It is possible to have your words misconstrued and taken in the wrong way. And this morning, i want to talk to you a little bit about that, because every one of us in this room needs advice, we need counsel. No one in this room is sufficient in and of yourselves to get through life, to make decisions, to be successful or effective, without getting good counsel and good advice. We're not all that we are, we're not a self-contained unit. We don't have all that we need. God has placed people in our lives. He's placed circumstances in our lives so that we can grow, so that we can learn. And so this morning we're gonna talk about what that looks like. I remember I became a senior pastor when I was 26 years old. And I remember this moment I had, this epiphany if you will. I was out in the lobby after a service was over and person came out and they said, I want you to know I'm going to do exactly what you advised us to do. I'm going to put that into practice. And as they walked away, I had this, this uh, chill came, uh, that came over me of, what did I just say that they should go do? You know, and, and it was this incredible uh, responsibility that hit me that people actually may go out and do what I say. Have you had those moments in life as a leader where you realize people are going to take your advice? Better be careful what you tell them. People may receive your counsel. You better be careful what you say. And so this morning, I want to think about that a little bit because we all need counsel. And we all need advice in fact, when I look into the Bible, the Bible is filled with admonitions about seeking counsel and seeking advice. Let me give you a couple of to think about. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. The Bible says, uh, with the abundance of counselors, there is safety. There's safety with the abundance of counselors. Meaning, if you want to make a safe decision, whether it's a business decision or a relational decision, then you ought to seek counsel. Before you do something incredibly dumb, before you take that big jump, you ought to ask some people their opinion, their advice, their their counsel, because there's safety there. Second verse, Proverbs 12, 15. The Bible says a wise person. Now look, you're either wise or otherwise. (laughs) And the Bible here says a wise person seeks counsel. In other words, it's not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. When you reach out to someone and say, what do you think? What do you think about this? What do you think about them? What do you think about that? <laughs> the Bible says that's wisdom that will seek counsel. Here's a third one, Proverbs 15, 22. It says, without counsel, when you don't seek counsel, plans will fail. But with many advisors, your plans will succeed. Now with that backdrop, I want to talk to you a little bit about some things that, that are necessary when you seek counsel. One of the things that you need to do when you seek counsel or advice is be honest with the person that you're talking to. And I say that because sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, if you're you're honest, (laughs) we're not really looking for advice as much as we're looking for consent. (laughs) Our minds really are already made up and we're just wanting someone else to agree with us. Well, that's not seeking counsel and that's not really looking for advice, you're just looking for affirmation, you're looking for consent. Now, when a person is wise, they'll approach every situation and every circumstance with an open mind. Have you ever talked to someone that's very subjective? That when you talk to them, no matter what you say to them, nothing's going to change them? Because their mind is closed, closed mind. It's a mindset. And there's a reason we use that term to describe that, mindset. Is because if you're not careful, your mind can get set. And it's hard to change a mindset. Set. And there are people who approach life and they approach relationships and they approach business decisions very subjectively. Now I'm not suggesting that you don't have convictions or opinions or you don't have your own understanding of facts, I'm just saying when you seek counsel or advice, go at it from the standpoint, I could be wrong. I may be missing something here. We call them blind sides for a reason, we all have one. And you can get blindsided by being subjective when you ought to be objective. An objective person approaches everything they do with this idea that look, I'm open, tell me, convince me. Show me where I'm wrong. I'm not being uh, uh, adversarial with you, I just wanna see what your perspective is because I trust you and I value you and I, I really want your input. So the first thing I would tell you, since we all know we need advice and we need counsel, is to be honest with the people you approach and don't approach it with a closed mindset, don't approach it with a subjective way of thinking. I would tell you another thing that's equally as important is be careful of the people you seek for counsel. <laughs> be careful who you reach out to and talk to about your problems or about your uh, decisions. Listen, not everybody you talk to, and not everybody that will advise you has your best interest in heart. There are people who will use you and abuse you. There are people who will manipulate you, and you have people, believe it or not, in your orbit that has agendas. They're there for a reason. And it's not always your best interest. So I'm saying there's a reason he says a wise person. Uh, you, you know, you have to be careful. You have to use wisdom when you seek counsel, because everyone you talk to may not have your best interest. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew seven and change, he said this: "Don't cast your pearls before swine." Have you heard that expression? <laughs> what does he say? He's saying, "Be careful who you share your most cherished secrets with. Be careful who you share your most treasured thoughts with." because you can, from time to time, throw something out to people who don't value it and will just trample it right under their feet. So I'm just trying to keep you from getting uh, hurt emotionally here because we all need some counsel, we all need some advice, so be careful. Have you ever thought about it this way? The whole world got off track in the Garden of Eden because Adam and Eve took wrong counsel from the wrong person. <laughs> I mean, Genesis three, remember the serpent appears and says, hath God said? Are you sure you heard right? I mean, I've got another opinion, I've got another way of looking at this. And they began to question, they began to put a question mark where God had placed an exclamation point. So I'm saying counsel is significant and counsel is important, but be careful the people that you seek counsel from. Let let me throw one other thing at you to think about. Good people can be in a bad place and give you some bad advice. Good people, people you love. People you trust, uh, people you know, maybe someone you admire spiritually as a good person. They can be in a, because they're human, they can be in a bad place. They can be going through something. They, they might be cynical or they might be hurt or even a little bitter at the experience that they're going through. And so I'm just saying, you can get bad advice from a good person when they're in a bad place. So just Be discerning. No, this might not be the right time for me to really seek the counsel I need from this person given where they are presently. So these are all things that I think we ought to weigh carefully when we consider this idea of seeking good counsel. In fact, if you'll look with me at our text for this series in Isaiah chapter nine, if you have a Bible, you might look there. If not, take a look at the screen, we have it for you here. In Isaiah nine verse six, the Bible here talks about this incredible birth announcement and it opens with this idea that it is unto us. Now as I told you last week, this is a birth announcement given 740 years before the birth of Jesus. And I told you last week, that's getting those birth announcements out a little quick, right? But he says it's unto us. And I don't want you to miss this because that implies it's universal. There are people who think they're the only ones going to heaven. (laughs) They're religious groups that think they're the only ones going to heaven. I remember a story about St. Peter in heaven and he was standing, had our angels standing guarding the door and uh, people were having a great time in heaven. And every time someone approached the door, you'll shh, shh, stay back, stay away, shh, shh, And he said, what's the matter? What's going on behind that door? He goes, well, it's a certain group that lived their life on earth thinking they're the only ones that are gonna be here and we don't wanna ruin it for them. So we're just letting them kind of party back there. There are people that really think they're the only ones going to heaven. Listen, can I just say this as a little sidebar to everything else I'm talking about? It does not matter what denominational flag you fly over your house. What matters is what you do with Jesus. That's it. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I don't care what you're right about. If you're wrong about Jesus, everything else falls apart. And so this coming of the Savior, this coming of the Messiah that Isaiah talked about, and by the way, fast forward to Luke two eleven, where the angels appear to the shepherds, remember what they say? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Same expression. So I don't want you to miss the universality of it, how it is all-inclusive. Jesus in his earthly ministry said, whosoever will, let them come. He doesn't exclude anyone, he loves everyone. And so don't miss that in this birth announcement. Unto us, a child is born. Now that's Christmas. That's the coming of Jesus into this world. That's the infinite who became an infant. That's Jesus coming into the manger. So here you have the child born. And then notice the next expression. Unto us, a son given. Now that's the cross. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, son given. So this is a reference to uh, uh, Christmas, this is a, res- a reference to um, uh, uh, the cross and Easter. And then he says, and the government shall be on his shoulders. And then his name will be called Wonderful. We talked about that last week. It means marvelous, one of a kind, no one else like him. Jesus is God's first word. He is God's full word. He is God's final word. He's wonderful. And then this morning, he's a counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So this morning I wanna recommend an advisor to you. I wanna recommend a counselor to you. His counsel is reliable, his counsel is wonderful, his counsel is never wrong. You can take his advice and you'll never make a mistake in doing so. His name is Jesus. And this morning when I think about the qualities of a great counselor, and I attribute those qualities to Jesus, I want you to see how beautifully that this uh, picture's who he is. First of all, about a counselor, you want the counselor to be confidential. Confidentiality is essential when you go to a counselor. Why? You're gonna bear your soul. So you don't wanna bear your soul if someone's going to someone gonna post it up on Facebook. That's gonna tweet about it. That's gonna give a little blurb on LinkedIn. You aren't gonna believe this. And that happens sometimes in Christian circles, right, where you confide in someone or you thinking you were confiding in someone, and all of a sudden it starts popping up in different places around the church, around the community. And you know how that happens? It happens in the form of prayer requests. (laughs) Now, when, when you confide in someone and you're requesting their prayer, you always say, I want to keep this confidential. And when we get requests like that, we keep them confidential. But there are people sometimes who learn some of your struggles in life and instead of keeping that confidential, they just kind of share it with a close friend who loves you equally, who shares it with another close friend who loves you equally. And before you know it, you remember that uh, commercial that says, you tell a friend and they tell a friend and so on and so on and so on. And that's how it happens. And you know what happens? You shut down. You stop talking to anyone. And it's one of the most unhealthy things you can do is to keep everything kind of bottled up out of the fear that if I talk about this, it's gonna be everywhere. Can I tell you, you have a counselor, you can tell him anything, anything. Your sins won't shock him. He's never gasped, you did what? He's, he's never gotten heard anything through a prayer that confused him. He's never said, I'm going to have to get back with you on that one. That's a new one for me. I've only been around for eternity. I mean, you can't get yourself into anything that he can't get you out of. And I'm just saying, when you go to him in prayer and you seek his counsel in prayer, what you find is that he's confidential. And you know what happens when you pray and when you, when you talk about through prayer your struggle and you talk about in prayer your sin and you talk about in prayer your stress it's good, it's good, first of all, it's good theology because the Bible tells us to do that, but can I tell you, it's good psychology. There's a transference that happens psychologically when you get that out of you. There's something really healthy about getting it out of yourself, talking about it, Getting it outside of you. Because what happens when you hold on to something you should let go of, it takes on a life of its own. It gets bigger and darker and more uh, you know, foreboding the longer you hold that. I've talked to psychologists who's t- who've told me, they've said, Bill, if we can get people to talk about what they think about, most of them won't believe what they heard themselves say. <laughs> it takes on a life of its own. So one of the qualities of a great counselor is the fact you can share your secrets, your struggles, your sins, you can share these things with them and know they're going to be kept in confidence. Heard about three guys who were out fishing. And as guys will do, if you go out for a little while, eventually you'll start talking and you'll open up. And ladies, it takes us a little time to do that. But after a while, they start opening up, they're out fishing and one of the guys says to his two buddies, he goes, I'll be honest with you fellas, I need to get this off my chest. He said, I'm a little flirtatious. And he said, I know I push things a little far and it bothers me that I do that, but I'm a little flirtatious and that's kind of what I struggle with. And you know, I, I, man, I just gotta admit that. I, I really, I, that's a problem with me. The other guy said, man, I appreciate hearing that. I, you know, we all have problems, don't we? He said, you know, my problems is I I cut corners in business. He said, yeah, man, I, I kind of take advantage of people from time to time. I know I shouldn't, but I do. And man, I hate that. I feel bad about it. In fact, he said, I've kind of cheated the IRS out of a lot of money and I'm kind of waiting on that shoe to drop And He said, so I just need to get that off my chest. And the third guy, he hadn't said anything for a while. He was just kind of quiet. And they were kind of looking at him like, well, you know, we kind of you know, talked here. Now, what, what's going on with you? He goes, well, guys, I'll be honest with you. My biggest problem is I'm a gossip and I, I just can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't keep secrets. <laughs> and I just can't wait till we get back to the shore. <laughs> Everybody has something, right? So I, I, all I'm saying is be careful who you confide in. Let me give you a good verse right behind that. Proverbs 25, this supports my joke. Proverbs 25, 19. It really does, watch this. Confidence in an unreliable person. When you put confidence in an unreliable person, here's what he says it's like. He said it's like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a broken foot. When you confide in somebody who's not trustworthy, they don't have your interest in heart. They don't care that you've opened up and you've borne your soul to them. It, it, you walk away feeling like you've chewed something with a broken tooth and you're walking around with a broken foot. It is a horrible experience. But again, I go back to what I'm talking about this morning. When you go to Jesus, it's confidential. I mean, you can tell him anything and he loves you anyway. You know why? He already knows it. In fact, my second thought kind of supports that a little. It is the fact not only is he confidential, he's available. He's available. Now if you've sought advice or you've sought a counselor, you know you have to get on their schedule, right? And sometimes, man, you're in a hurry and, and you, you need counsel and you need advice and sometimes you know, you've got to get in line. I heard about a guy who was looking for counsel and he told this counselor, he was trying to get on a schedule, he told this counselor, he says, I'm just having trouble, troubling thoughts. He said, I keep thinking I'm invisible. I, I just think I'm invisible. And his counselor said, well, I'm sorry, I just can't see you right now. <laughs> I tell you, that is funny. That really is funny. It's the third time I've told it, and I've got the same response just about every time. I promise you, I don't think I've got many more of those. So. That's funny, it doesn't matter who you are, that was really funny. But he's available. There's a verse in the Psalms that said, he who watches over Israel does not slumber, nor does he sleep. And I don't know about you, have you noticed things are worse at night? When everyone's asleep and it's dark and there's no one awake that you feel you can talk to? Well, I come back to what I'm talking about this morning. You have a counselor that doesn't slumber or doesn't sleep. Someone said instead of counting sheep, just start talking to the shepherd. In other words, realize your counselor is available to you. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter the experiences of life, he is there. He is available. I love this, 1 John 5, verse 14. This is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He's available. Third thought. All right, he's confidential, he's available. Number three, he's reliable. He's reliable. What do I mean by that? I mean, I can rely on his counsel. I don't have to walk out from his presence wondering if what he's told me to do is really the right thing for me. I can walk away knowing this one is reliable and I can rest in that because I understand he knows me better than I know me. He knows me better than I know myself. There's not a parent in the room who cannot give counsel to their children and feel confident in the counsel that you give to your kids. Why? You know them. You know what's best for them. You have their best interests in heart. And I, can, and I can tell you if you love your children that much, how much more does your Heavenly Father love you? And just as you would never tell your child something that you know would hurt them, God will never give you counsel that He knows would hurt you. His counsel is reliable. In fact, there's a beautiful passage in John chapter one, verse forty-seven, where a man named Nathaniel encountered Jesus. And Jesus said to Nathaniel, who called out to him, "He said, Nathaniel, before you ever saw me, I saw you." And can I tell you, before you ever walked into this room, and for some of you, ever had an awareness that God was tracking you and watching you and loving you and caring about you, before you ever realized that, He still knew who you were, and He still knew where you were, and He still knew what you were going through. In John 2, Jesus said concerning people, he said, I don't need someone to testify to me concerning the experiences of other people. He said, I know what's in them. He knows what's in your heart. He doesn't need somebody to step up and say, hey, let me tell you what they're going through. Boy, Jesus, they really, man, you, if you ever put my prayers on the back burner, put them to the front. They really need you now. He saying you don't need to do that. I know what's going on in their world, I know what's in them. I don't need someone else to vouch for you in my presence because they're on my radar. I believe that so strongly, I don't think it's an accident you're in this room this morning, or watching online, or whenever you may see or hear this service. The providence of God is at work in your life, and the work of God is to bring you to himself, to get you to a point where you will trust him, rely upon him, and you will cast your care upon him. And I can tell you this morning from experience and I can tell you from the experience of so many more that I know, he is reliable. Can I tell you some things he uses that are reliable in your life? First of all, he uses his word. The 119th Psalm and the 105th verse, the Bible says concerning the word, it's like a lamp and a light. He he shines it to show us the path we should walk. And what is reliable is the counsel that God gives you from his word. You say, well, I don't really get much when I read the Bible. Well, I honestly have those moments. I really do. I've opened the Bible before and it didn't hit me right in the moment. I don't want to shock you. I don't want to suck the oxygen out of the room, but I I have those moments. As a pastor, I don't wake up to a cacophony of angels. Welcome, Bill. We've been waiting on you to wake up. That doesn't happen for me. Sometimes, honestly, you know, sometimes I I have to force myself uh, uh, brace yourself. I have to force myself to read the Bible sometimes. <gasps> <laughs> really? And I have read the Bible when in the moment I didn't get anything out of it. Oh God, I can't believe I just said that out loud. But it's true. I'm, okay, it's your word. Good stuff in, good stuff out. But I can tell you some point during the day, something that I read will come back and resonate in my life. Maybe not in the moment, but in time. I've had times in prayer when I didn't feel like praying. I don't feel like praying. But you pray anyway. You see, you can't say disciple without the idea of discipline. Sometimes you don't do what you do because you feel like doing it, you do what you do because it's the right thing to do. And I'm just suggesting you folks that when I look into his word, I found his counsel to be reliable. You know why? He can't lie. God cannot lie. And so you have the reliability of his word. Secondly, you have the reliability of his witness. Remember in John 14, again in John 16, he said, I won't leave you like orphans. I'll send my witness, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the third member of the triune Godhead. I will send him, he will be with you. And more than that, he'll be inside of you. So you have this guidance, this counsel of God's word, the counsel of his witness, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And man, if I had time to develop this, I would, but let me just touch on it. He will do two significant things when he gives you counsel. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will release you to do things, and sometimes he will restrain you from doing things. Sometimes he'll say it's time to go, and sometimes he'll say, not yet. And i found in my life I make better decisions when I rely on his timing. With God, it's not always time as much as it's timing. He's a God of rhythm. He may not be telling you no, he just may be saying not yet. And I have found in my life when I know what I need to do but I don't know when I need to do it that I have to rely on the witness of his spirit to give me peace. Can I give you a little more advice? Never make a decision you don't have complete peace about. If you aren't in complete peace about the decision, don't make it. You know why? God will lead you, the devil will push you. God will lead you, he'll pressure you. If somebody or something is pressuring you to make a decision or pressuring you, let me tell you, that's not how God works. He works through the release, he works through the uh, leadership, he works through the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're called sheep, not cows. (laughs) If you wanna move cattle, you get behind them and push them. But that's not how you lead sheep. (laughs) If you get behind sheep and push them, they scatter. (laughs) They go everywhere. The shepherd leads the sheep. He gets out in front of him, the sheep fall. What's I'm saying, you have the, this, this reliable counsel of his word, of his witness. Here's a third one I found that's reliable counsel. His work, his work. The Bible talks about in the uh, 107th Psalm, in the 25th verse, how God works through providence. We've done several studies, uh, Henry Blackaby put it together called Experiencing God. And in experiencing God, one of the things he says is, discern where God is at work in your life and join him there. Can I tell you God's working in your life right now? Right now, in your business, in your family, in your circumstances? Have you slowed down as a Christ follower long enough to try to discern where's God at work in my life and join him there? So you have this, 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 this focus of how he works, this reliable counsel of his word, his witness, his work. Fourthly, his workers. I gave this to you a moment ago, Proverbs 12, 15. Multitude of counselors, God will work through people. Fifthly, you have his wonders. God sometimes will do just absolutely the miraculous in your life. In fact, the Bible says in John eleven forty five, they believed when they saw. Sometimes God will allow things or cause things to happen in your life that you'll just back up and say, wow, that was a miracle. That was amazing. (laughs) And I understand the expression. I've seen that and praying for that. And I'm just telling you that when that happens, that's never a word he uses to describe what he does. That's always our word. Jesus never did a miracle and looked at it and said, wow, that's cool, I didn't know I could do that. So a guy was dead. Now he's alive. Did y'all see that? This guy was sick. Now he's healed. Did you just see what I just did right there? That was a miracle. How many do that again? No, that's the word we use to describe what he does because it just means something that cannot be described by extraordinary or by ordinary means. What's my point? My point is when I'm looking for God's counsel, I get it through His Word. I get it through the witness of His Holy Spirit. I get it through His works. I get it through His workers, the other people in my world. I see it sometimes in his wonders and the miraculous that he does. His counsel, ladies and gentlemen, is always reliable. Here's the last thought. It is eternal, eternal. God's word, his witness, his work is everlasting. Meaning he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He doesn't just love you this morning and he'll quit loving you tomorrow morning. His love is eternal. There's a passage in Timothy that says, even if I'm not faithful to him, he's faithful to me. You know why? He cannot deny himself. When the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life, Jesus will not deny you because to deny you would be to deny himself. You say, how long does that last? Ephesians one says, I'm sealed to the day of redemption. I'm as good as though I'm already in heaven. So I'm just suggesting you that his counsel is eternal. I love that passage in Hebrews four. I've shared this with you before, but it says concerning Jesus and his love for us, it says he will never leave us or forsake us. Two different thoughts. To leave means to remove your physical presence from someone. To forsake means to emotionally disconnect from someone. How many of us know that you can be uh, physically removed from the presence of someone you are emotionally connected to? You have kids over and met kids? <laughs> you have a loved one somewhere not in this room? You have a friend somewhere that's not with you today? You are away from them physically but you are emotionally connected to them and just as strongly as if they were here. On the other hand, you can be physically with someone, you are completely disconnected emotionally from them. I don't look at the person next to you right now <laughs> when I say that. You can be with someone completely with them and be emotionally disconnected from them. So when Jesus talks about how he loves us, he describes it in those terms that we get. Anthropomorphic. It means it's a term we we as humans can get. It means I'll never remove my physical presence from you and I'll never emotionally disconnect from you. There's nothing you can do. There's there's nowhere you can go. Uh, the, The psalmist said, if I ascend into the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the midst of the sea, you're there. If I could go into the heart of the earth, you're there. Where can I go to escape your presence? And I'm just suggesting to you this morning, his counsel, his love, his presence, it is eternal. That's why, friend, he's so so accessible and available. That's why he's so confidential and reliable. It's because he's eternal. He's that friend that will come into your life when every other friend has walked out. Proverbs 17 said, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He loves you more than you love you. You might not die for you, but he did. He can can take our disappointments. He can take the grief. He can take the questions. He can take the confusion because he loves you. There's a hymn that they used to sing in my dad's church. When I'm singing it, I don't stampede the herd here, but it goes like this. It says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. And then it says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. If you were tracking with me in the notes, I said, he's confidential. I said, he's available. He's reliable, he's eternal. If you look at the acrostic, I said he cares. There's a beautiful verse in 1 Peter 5, 7, where he said, cast all your care. What what are you carrying this morning? Can I tell you as I close, some of you guys are carrying stuff he didn't design you to carry. He didn't design you to carry sin. You weren't built to carry that junk. Because when you're carrying around these unconfessed sins and you're carrying around these things you haven't given to him, it creates guilt and misery. He didn't design you to do that. What do you do with it? Cast it on him. It's called confession. You, just, you, know, you know what the word confess means? Agreement. Agreement, that's all the word means. When I confess, I'm, agree- I'm just saying, God, you were right, I was wrong. I should have listened to you and I did and I took bad counsel. So now I'm coming back, we're in agreement. Some of you are carrying burdens he didn't design you to carry. That's why he said, cast all your cares upon me. Some of you are just walking into this room with the weight of the world on your shoulders and Jesus is just standing here. (laughs) I got this. You trust me, I I can carry this. In New York City across from Rockefeller Center, there's this statue of Charles Atlas. And Atlas is uh, standing there, you remember the, the statue. And he's he's strong man. And he's got the world on his shoulders, right? So you have Charles Atlas out in front of Rockefeller Center with that statue holding the, man, holding the weight of the world on his shoulders. But if you go just across the street over into the cathedral, you have a little statue of Jesus when he was a little boy. And in that cathedral, the statue of Jesus as a little boy, he's holding the world in his hand. And when you think about the contrast, some of you coming in here with the weight of the world on your shoulders, when Jesus says, I got the whole world right here in my hand. Why don't you resign from president of your world? (laughs) Why don't you step off from controlling every little thing that happens in your life? You're not in charge of it anyway. And why don't you just say, God, starting today, I'm shifting this from me to you. You got this. I'm gonna trust you. You're my counselor. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that never returns void. I pray this morning that everyone in the room and those watching will realize what a wonderful counselor you are. For those that have never connected with you, who've never invited you into their life, I pray this would be the moment when they say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and forgive my sin. I'm carrying the weight of my world and I don't wanna do that anymore. So I give this to you. For others in this room and others watching who may know you, but Father, they have not relied upon you. They haven't partnered with you. I pray this might be that moment, that turning point in their life where they say, God, I know you're with me, but I've tried to do too much of this without you. So God, today, I give you my care. I give you my burdens. I give you my struggles. I give you my stress. I cast it upon you. And for those who need someone to just to pray for them and encourage them before they go, I, I pray they'll find their place here at the altar as soon as I dismiss and let somebody here spend just a moment to pray over them and encourage them. Father, thank you that you are our wonderful counselor. And we walk out of this room with our heads held high knowing you've got this. You've got the whole world in your hand. And we trust you in Jesus' name, amen. I would remind you too, uh, the Christmas drive for the kids. If you're picking up presents, be sure and bring them back to the church by Wednesday. If not, uh, you can go out in the lobby out by the Christmas uh, area there and and, uh, find out more information about how to help sponsor a child. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.